With all of the stress and confusion going on in the world right now, I thought it would be a good idea to repurpose some of my old audio story content. For those of you that don't know me, you may not know that before I became a voice actor and podcast producer, I had a business called Mindspace. We won't go into super detail about it here, but I created a complimentary podcast dedicated to outlining human emotion and having conversations with people in my life. During this time in our lives, my husband and I were living in an RV on the coast of Oregon while he worked at the Bureau of Land Management. So, you know, when the husband's away, make a podcast. I'm a huge fan of Jab Abumrad's production style with Radiolab, so I took some time to emulate my podcast and the conversations I was having after what he did on his shows. I still go back and listen to these stories and discussions with my friends and family members because they truly moved me. My audio chops have come a long way, but it's fun and interesting to go back and hear how I did things three years ago. But from an online content creator perspective, repurposing content is super useful and important for making your old content work for your business. And these discussions are super relevant to what's going on in the world right now. Plus, it reminds me of all of the creativity inside of me, and hopefully listening to these will do the same for you. I've edited these episodes down and given them new life. To listen to more, click the Creator Series category on the right sidebar of my website. And if you're looking to collaborate on projects or need help repurposing your old audio content, reach out to me at hello at melaniescroggins.com. Welcome to the Creator Series. In this conversation, I spoke with Angela Ferrari of Story Spectacular. We talked about everything from ideation to execution and the wonderful imaginary world she has in her head that she's been able to share with others, adults and kids alike. Here's my conversation with Angela. Imagination. If you or your kids watched SpongeBob SquarePants growing up, you remember the imagination rainbow he would make with his hands. He'd put up his small sponge hands, move them in a semicircle shape in the air, and say, Imagination! Just like that. If a sponge living in a town called Bikini Bottom, whose best friend is a dumb starfish, doesn't sound like the creation of someone with a good imagination, I'm not sure what does. As kids, our imaginations are vast and colorful. As adults, we tend to shove them to the side. Imaginations are for children, not for us. We can't afford to daydream. Using our imaginations isn't necessarily daydreaming, though I'm not knocking either. Our imaginations create new worlds and scenarios we can't see in the physical world with the limited capabilities we have. But don't be fooled, this isn't entirely our fault. Society and culture shape how we see imagination and how we respond to the imaginations of others. And can we please try to remember just because someone thinks differently than you doesn't mean what they think is wrong. The same can be said of imagination. May C. Jemison said, Never limit yourself because of others' limited imagination. Never limit others because of your own limited imagination. Oftentimes, we must stretch our minds a little further to achieve a desired result. This can look like anything. Drawing a diagram of how we get from point A to point B, suggesting a new restaurant in which to eat, taking a few moments to analyze a problem before allowing emotion to overwhelm us. Just because it doesn't sound magical doesn't mean our imaginations aren't working. My guest Angela Ferrari speaks into this. 
She helps us to better understand why some adults may see imagination as an excuse to be weird or not get any work done. But when you're an artist, your imagination is your number one asset. It is the only space in your entire world that allows you the freedom and space to do and see and feel and be however you want, without judgment. Our imaginations are what make us individually beautiful and fascinating. My name is Angela Ferrari. I'm a children's book author and illustrator in Portland, Maine, and I've recently launched Story Spectacular, a children's story podcast that's perfect for car rides, unwinding at bedtime, or for when you just need a break with a fun story. The first thing that stood out to me about Angela was her cute and colorful profile picture. When I found out what she's doing with Story Spectacular, I had to have her on the show. When I think of imagination, I see the place between being awake and dreaming, where reality kind of bends and the possibilities are endless. I think of bedtime stories like Hey Diddle Diddle and The Secret Garden. And I see something like a refrigerator box that has four walls, but endless possibilities. I started Story Spectacular because I wanted to be the master of my stories and my imagination. And I wanted to reach the furthest audience that technology could provide. So it was, it was freedom for me. It was freedom to show who I am to the world, be myself, and connect with other people who have inspired me. And hopefully some of my stories will ignite that imagination, that spark of ideas in somebody else. Of course, I had to ask, as adults, what happens to our imaginations? Do we just lose them? I don't think that we lose it. I think it evolves and maybe turns into something else. So maybe as an adult, the imagination means problem solving. But what's cool about being an adult is you can access your childhood imagination. You can walk over that bridge. It's going to look different on both sides, but you can make that choice to go over and kind of visit it for a little while, see what comes up. I I guarantee it's not going to be a waste of time. When we were little girls, my sister and I loved the animated movie, The Prince of Egypt. We would put our baby towels over our heads and attempt to float a blonde-haired, blue-eyed Moses baby doll in the pool. The baby sunk every time. But you bet we were out the next day, singing our lungs out, running around the exterior of the house. While there weren't any real Egyptians chasing after us, we could have fooled you. Where did that come from? How did we even think to do those things? Well, I think you just don't know all the rules yet. And even some of the rules you think you know, you'll watch a TV show and see a talking chair on Pee Wee Herman and be like, wait, I didn't know chairs could talk, but that chair looks so real to me. I wonder if my dad's corduroy recliner in the other room is gonna start talking too. So you're really just open to everything because you don't you don't have all those experiences. You don't have all those rules indoctrinated into you that are like, no, words change meaning. They become more complex. So say the word pretend when you're a kid means something good. It's something fun and playful. But then there's something kind of negative about the word pretend when you're an adult. It's something like, oh, they're being somebody they're not 
they're not supposed to be. They're being fake. They're, you know, pretending to be something that they're not. And I think we can maybe take that back, that idea back as adults and say, you know, it's okay to try on a couple different hats, try something out, discover who we really are. Maybe we lose a little bit of ourselves and we want that to come out. So I think we can take a lot of those words back and kind of embrace our inner childhood in a way that's functional. The word love means something different when you're a kid. It doesn't have the romantic connotation. It means uh, maybe more of a a blissful connection that you feel to your friends and family. So when I would hear songs that had the word love in them as a kid, it meant something totally different. And then when you listen back, it's like a little dirty. You're like, oh, I can't believe I used to love that song. Like, like I'm thinking of that Harry Connick Jr. song, The Recipe for Making Love. I loved that song as a kid. It was so kid friendly, I thought. And then I'm like, whoa, I can't believe my parents let me listen to that. (laughs) And maybe they know that we're more innocent to that kind of stuff as kids, and they don't need to take that away from us if we're enjoying it. It depends what space you're in. There are certain spaces I've, I've had to navigate, especially as an entrepreneur, where I have my guard up more and it feels more competitive. So I turn my imagination off a lot. And now I'm trying to connect with people more authentically and say, you know what, I'm going to, I'll show you my cards. I'm, I'm okay with being who I am and I'm going to choose to do this my way in a way that makes me feel good, makes me feel happy and positive. And more times than not, I'm getting that back. If I break that imagination ice, because it's in everybody, we all have it. And I think not only do we all have it, but that's who we secretly are and who we secretly want to be. And I think what when we're really pretending is when we're putting on that mask of, I have to be adulting right now. I have to be serious. I can't let my guard down. I wanted to know how imagination plays itself out in Story Spectacular and the other work that Angela does. I wake up in a different mood every single day. Sometimes I wake up and I'm an adolescent teenager I want to wear my cool clothes and try on an outfit that I haven't worn in a while. Just depends what I'm feeling. But I try to, especially now, use whatever motion I have and feed that, use that energy into my work for that day. I don't try to shut it off. I don't try to suppress it anymore. I really try to work with it. Um, I can take you through my process. I mean, it's okay. So I think I sent you a story of the shape escape. Story Spectacular. Today's show is titled The Shape Escape. On a piece of paper, I drew a square, a circle, a triangle, and I just looked at them, and at first they were empty. So I was like, okay, I'll put, I put a couple faces on them, and I was like, I gotta make these things come to life. How do I turn this into a story? What got me really excited as a kid? So then I went back in my head, and I thought of two things. Pee Wee Herman and the B-52s. So (laughs) I thought about Pee Wee Herman. That show, it wasn't a show I was allowed to watch at home on TV. I get little glimpses of it at other people's houses. And again, I was like, what is going on? Like he made this stuff in the life and so real that it made me test and question everything around me. And then the B-52s were one of my favorite bands as a kid. My folks bought the, their CD, uh, Cosmic Thing, and uh, 
they'd play Love Shack for me all the time. And again, that word love, it meant something different to me. I was thinking, oh man, it's so cool. All these people, they're loving each other and dancing in a shack. Like, how cool is that? I wanted to have a Love Shack too. I was like, dad, clean out your tool shed. We are going to have a Love Shack of our own. And so I got my wish one day when I went to my aunt's wedding. So at her wedding reception, the DJ played Love Shack. And I was like, are you kidding me right now? You guys know this song too. And I grabbed the microphone out of the DJ's hand and I started just singing and dancing like a maniac. Everyone was on the dance floor laughing. It was just euphoric. It was the most happiest memory of my childhood. And it made me feel so good. And that excitement, that energy, I looked down at the shapes and everything came to life for me. For now, there was peace in Shape Valley. Hello, Octagon. Top of the monitor, you triangle. Howdy, Square. Shapes of all sizes live side by side in harmony. So it wasn't a plot that came to my head. It was a feeling of, okay, of, of life. And so I wrote the plot. It's a really simple plot. It's basically uh, three shapes in a valley. It's a mighty octagon, a brave square, and a tiny triangle. And then there's a big, mean bully circle that they put in timeout at the top of a mountain. And a whole action sequence ensues, and the teeny triangle ends up emerging as the surprise hero. So I injected that Pee Wee Herman inspiration into giving these characters life. I even did like a Pee Wee Herman impersonation of the, of the circle, gave the circle a Pee Wee Herman voice. And then at the end, I wanted to celebrate big, like the way the B-52s did. So I wrote my own version of a B-52s song, and we got to celebrate this little teeny triangle. Like, he had his day. <laughs> so that's, I mean, that's my process. And I can't even tell you, Melanie, how cool it is to be able to go back in and spend some time there again. It's It feels so real to me, and I get to bring that out. And I mean, you can't you can't necessarily tell by the plot that this was my inspiration, but I hope you can feel that energy that I had. I hope that that comes across in my stories. What I really like about the audio stories too is that everyone's listening to the same story, but I'll ask kids, I was like, did you think the shapes had hands and feet? And some kids thought so, some kids didn't. I'd even ask like, what color do you think the circle was? And they all saw it differently in their head, even though we were listening to the same story. And I just thought that was so cool. It was kind of a pleasant surprise about doing stories on a podcast. It's really fun, too, to think about how you experienced those movies back then where you were freely allowed to cry. It was okay. Or you could get scared and be really open about being scared, too. So I think that's kind of nice to go back as an adult and give yourself permission to cry and not be embarrassed or feel scared again. Allow yourself to jump and be immersed in the movie and the storytelling. I've been known to watch a good old Disney movie in my spare time. Angela and I were reminiscing about films like The Fox and the Hound or Homeward Bound and all the emotions that came with those films we barely understood as kids. Shadow! <laughs> Even as we age, those emotions are tightly wound up in what we think and feel when we watch those movies or hear those stories. I also wanted to know how imagination plays out in Angela's daily life. What does she do to keep the magic flowing? For me, 
I was a big fan of watching music videos and dancing. I loved seeing all the outfits. I loved the beats. It was so fun for me to watch. And I was for a while trying to find how can I in my, you know, in my daily life participate somehow in this. I know I'm not going to be on TV dancing, but I want to, I want to express this. I want to be as close as I can to this. So I would try on different outfits in my room in front of my mirror and dance privately. I'd be totally ashamed if anyone had walked in and seen me do this, but I, in my head was in these music videos doing these moves. And then one day I found this studio near my house, a dance studio. And I started going to hip hop dance classes there and found my own little dance crew of these adults a lot of working women, parents, people that are from all different backgrounds, all ages around Portland that have day lives, day jobs, but they come here and in this space, we're all dancers in a music video. So that's been something that I've gotten to participate in and use my imagine that way, very much in an adult space too. And that's been really giving me so much freedom and it's just for me. It's just fun. There's no rhyme or reason to it. It's okay though. I, I love it so much. The other thing I like to do when I get together with friends and family, I love to play board games. I love the games with word puzzles that are up to the person's interpretation because it exposes them. You get to see what kind of humor, what kind of dirty mind this person has or what kind of wild imagination they have that I don't know what other conversation you could have that would bring them out of, bring it out of them so quickly and so openly. So that's another thing I love to do. Again, it's like that imagination icebreaker. I like to see that happen in social gatherings, right? Cause you know what it means to you, but once you put something out there, you have no idea how people are going to take it and what hidden meanings they're going to bring to it based on their own experiences. So it just, it takes on a life of its own once you release it out there. One of the aspects of imagination that fascinates me is what Angela mentioned earlier. As kids, we have these big, colorful ideas about everything. And if we think about it as adults, it can almost be like a superpower. Because yes, we have a better idea of how the world works, but we can still utilize our childhood thoughts and ideas, harness that energy for other things. What I find exceptionally fascinating is how differently we all perceive the world. I think for me, it was again going back to childhood and I loved the books on tape. I loved the fact that I could, I was one of those kids, my hands were always had to be busy. I had to have a craft or something going. So a lot of times I wasn't watching the TV screen. I was listening or I had a hard time sitting still through the books, even though I loved them. I could only sit through so many books, but I could listen to stuff for hours, music, radio shows. I guess it was something of a childhood dream that was always inside of me. I can't think of a single tipping point. There's just been all these little things along the way that are like kind of tapping at me saying, you got this. Why don't you try it out? Why don't you, why don't you do this? So I think uh, it was last November, so a year ago about that I recorded the first version of a podcast and the first time I, you know, gave it to a friend and let their kid listen to it. And I heard back from her and she said that my kid listened to this thing eight times in a row. He's asking for it all the time. That was, I think, the biggest catalyst, biggest motivation that I was like, okay, I've got so many stories in me and maybe this is the way to do it. It's one thing to get to know the creator through their work. 
But what about Angela as herself each and every day? What about that person? The best way to get to know me is to understand why my imagination is the way it is. Uh, And I can think of two really big reasons for that. And it goes again back to my childhood growing up in rural Maine. I grew up outdoors in the woods. The woods were my jungle gym and the seasons were always changing. So my jungle gym was always changing. It It was a playground outside. So my family, I was so lucky to have both my parents at home. We were very comfortable, but you know, we didn't have money was tight. We didn't have extra money to spend on things, especially on the trendy toys. And there was one toy in particular. It was an American Girl doll. I wanted it so bad, but we just we couldn't afford it. But I always liked Molly because she had glasses and I had glasses and I was like, oh man, me and Molly would hit it off. I would always read the Molly American Girl books. I'd get them from the library and there were even craft books and stuff too. So I would just learn as much as I could about Molly. And at a certain point, I don't know when it happened, but I started thinking, oh man, maybe Molly from the olden days, the real Molly, is going to come visit me in the future. I was going to show her around and be like, oh man, Molly's going to be blown away when she sees my mom's station wagon. Or, oh boy, Molly from the olden days, what's she going to think of this console TV? So I was able to use my imagination and instead of thinking about the doll that I didn't have, I started looking around and seeing all the cool things that I had that I was going to impress this character from the olden days (laughs) and then the other thing about my childhood that is why I am the way I am I developed from a very young age the ability to use my imagination to combine work with play and I really have to give my dad a lot of credit for this my dad is a carpenter and he used to work five days a week and then he'd come home and he'd have so much work to do around the house yard work scraping paint And especially in Maine, where I'm from, is stacking wood. That's a huge thing that we have to deal with. My dad would include us in everything. So we would be stacking wood, listening to classic rock music, telling jokes. I mean, I just thought it was a blast. It was so much fun. I even found an old journal that I kept as a kid that had like the prompts that said, what's your favorite activity? And I wrote something like, my favorite activity is stacking wood. I like to see how fast I can stack it and how many rows. (laughs) And I'm reading, I'm reading it back. I'm like, are you kidding me? Was I being brainwashed? I mean, what kid is like, my favorite thing to do is stacking wood. But now when I look back, I'm like, that was me experiencing that, that trendy phenomenon that we call flow. That thing where you're in this meditative state of contentment, you're doing kind of a mindless, repetitive activity, but you're happy, you, you're, you're accomplishing something. And that, that work ethic has always stayed with me. And editing a podcast, I'm sure as you know, is very mundane. It's really tedious. And to continue on a schedule like this where you're always, I mean, you're stuck on this, you're on this track. It's a long road ahead of you, but I not only am, am I able to do it, I'm content doing it. Angela is also a talented local artist up in Portland, Maine. She has been able to make a living off her stories and paintings. She is one busy lady. I do landscape paintings because I live in Portland, so I do a lot of lighthouses, nautical scenes, and I hang them up at a local business. And over the course of eight years, just from that one space, I've been able to sell hundreds of paintings. 
And my paintings aren't just like the typical kind of landscapes. I definitely inject my own kind of style into them. They're neon, they glow in the dark. Some of them even have a little glitter on them, but they're, they're something that people can still connect to because of the subject matter. So I still really, really enjoy doing that. And then a few years ago, I also began, I, I published three books, three children's books. So it's been, it's been really cool over the years to eke out a living as an actual working artist. And then to, within the past couple of years, be able to expand that, to diversify that and getting to be myself. I mean, I waited tables for 10 years before that. And Melanie, I was never allowed to talk in a dog voice when I was waiting tables, but I can now. I was really curious about the inspiration behind the kinds of stories Angela writes. What kinds of stories does she enjoy writing? I like funny stories. I like jokes. I'm ruled by the word, the rules of puns and wordplay. I just, sometimes I will start with a pun and be like, how long can I ride this wave? Like, let's turn this into a whole story. The shapes like to squabble over who is now the mightiest in the valley. The square thought that four sides were the best, but the octagon decided that eight sides were even better. One thing all the shapes could agree on, they were all mightier than the teeny triangle who only had three sides. Good thing us mega multi-sided shapes are around to protect you little triangle. Just off of a silly pun. <laughs> so I mean, I write things that I like to listen to that I think are funny and I hope I hope kids think it's funny, but I also like to wink and nod at the adults being like, I see you guys too. I know you're into this. Recording at home and auditioning for some crazy characters, I know the recording space can get a little crazy, especially when you're guided by imagination. I really wanted to know if she cracks herself up or has to stop and re-record. Oh, it happens all the time. It happens so much. <laughs> I, I have to do takes over and over again because I'm like, are you kidding me right now? Is this really happening? <laughs> and then a couple times I've accidentally, uh, my boyfriend's heard me in the other room I was, and I think I'm being quiet, but he's like, no, you were being so loud and I have no idea what's going on right now. <laughs> and it's so funny. I have this little secret inside me. I'm going to the grocery store and like people see me, but... They don't know, the people that listen to the podcast are the people that know what's really inside of me. I mean, I've had some weird experiences at the grocery store. You never know who you're going to see and how people are going to act. There was one day I was picking out some peaches that I had the week before and I was, this other lady was looking at them and I was like, oh man, these peaches are really good. I had them last week. And she kind of looked at me like, why are you talking to me? And I was like, are you kidding me right now? Like, I just want to talk about a peach with you. I mean, peaches are great. So a lot of times, a lot of times I end up uh, interacting more with the employees and I always make eye contact with kids. Somehow they're doing something like I saw the other day, a kid smelling some deodorant samples, like huffing this thing. And I was just like, that looks really, really fun. And then other times you see kids just throwing fits while they're waiting in line. And you look around, you're like, I know everyone else waiting in line wants to be able to get this out of them too. They have this same emotion, but only that little kid is given permission to be like, ah, why am I here? I think they even turn it on a few notches higher too. Like they're, you know, auditioning. This is their Academy Award script that they're running. 
they yeah i think especially with an audience they perform even more of their emotions but I, again i was in the service industry and i remember feeling like i was repeating myself all day and you know saying the same things over and over again having the same interactions and it was always so fun when people i felt like saw me that made me feel really good and gave me a lot of confidence so i do like to try to do that for other people too i totally get what you're saying about interacting with the employees that way having inside jokes i mean it's just nice why not i had to ask what does angela think the consequences are of sacrificing imagination for the sake of adulting and her recommendations for those struggling to find balance between what they believe to be reality and child's play. I, d I mean, I just don't know because it's so different in my head that I almost can't even conceive of it. But I like to think that everybody does. I mean, everybody was a kid at one point. I mean, people have trauma and other reasons why they are the way they are. But I think it's a choice. I really do. And I think we, you and I need to start right now where we're going to start taking this back. I do have a writer's critique group that I go to. We all write picture books. And that's been huge for me because we all have different approaches. I started out more as an illustrator and an ideas lady. I wasn't as good at the, at the craft of actually writing a story. So I've been able to grow so much in not only the writing process, but the editing process by meeting with these people every uh, we meet uh, once a month in person which I love being able to do too so that's been really big especially when you're online on the internet using technology because when I approach writing stories every single story has already been told before that humbles me I know that I'm inspired by that I mean and it's not just stories everything there's no new invention that's coming out an iPhone might be revolutionary but it's based on something that's become before it and something new is going to come after it you're just part of that chain and I think that people that think they're more than that maybe lose sight of what's important and I think it's also nice where if a story doesn't work for me I can move on and not be so hard on myself. Don't feel like I wasted time doing it. It's an exercise. It's a practice. I think you need to start by looking back at things that maybe you were angry about or upset about, something from your childhood or as a teenager, something that was traumatic. Look back at it and visit that. And maybe now that we're adults, we have a little bit of distance. We can get some perspective and maybe see that in a different light and let go of some, I think when you let go of some of those emotions at the beginning, if you're allowed to release that, you can kind of move on in this positive way and uh, shift your perspective. And then kind of for me, how I did it was privately. I chose something I liked to watch and decided to participate at home by myself. That was the dancing and then podcasting. And I take a little while, work on that craft. And then when I decide it's ready, you go out into the world and you find your people. And so maybe you are only allowed to pretend just in that space, but at least you're getting to express yourself somewhere. Somebody, know, somebody out there knows the real you and sees you in that lens. And I think that's a really good way to start out. I think it's so sad to go through life and not let your music out. It's a quote that I've heard before and it, it's something that's been driven, driving me for a while. I mean, literally, I'd be in a car and I'd be like, what if something happens and all this stuff that's inside me, no one ever gets to hear it. That would just be the worst. So especially the whole year, like going up to the podcast, that was like, I got to get this thing out. I got to get this out. 
so I think that might be a place, maybe not a place of fear, but I think there is a consequence to not letting anyone see who you are. And I think it is scary sometimes, but it's okay. It's okay to acknowledge that you're scared and then just do it anyway. For all of the links and individuals mentioned in this series, check out my website, melaniescroggins.com, and click on over to the audio blog. You can click Creator Series in the right sidebar and listen to more stories. Thanks for listening.